Happy Friday. It's the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Justin and Ailish. We made it through the week. We got playoff matchup set for the Eastern Conference. Some scary moments in hockey last night if you're a women's hockey fan. And a couple goodbyes emotionally in the NHL. There was a lot going on last night. Yeah, lots going on in the city, too. We got the hottest team in baseball probably in the city right now. They yeah. probably took an overnight flight and got in Oh, yeah, here, they're right? waking up at the Ritz this morning. Yeah, they're they're feeling good about themselves, those Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Big weekend ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. No shortage of storylines in the sporting world on a Friday. Yeah, it's just they jam-packed it for us. We got Blue Jays to recap. Maple Leafs ended their regular season last night against the New York Rangers. Before we do anything, though, can I ask you about that uh, Canada Sweden Yeah, it game? needs to be spoken about. How? Okay, I, last night was a bit of a blur, admittedly. Lots of stuff going on. Big NHL night. I was sweating like a million futures in the NHL. <laughs> so my head's spinning a, million a little futures? bit. Well, it was a big night. Any, you know, division. Any, I had the last place team being Chicago, and they unfortunately got a point and a loss and killed that and our wake and rake. <sighs> like, not fun, Chicago. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things going on in the NHL world. Did not see all of Canada, Sweden, saw a little bit, did not see the conclusion. How was it that Canada, winners of everything, got pushed to the limit, forced into overtime by the Swedes? Is just, you know, women's hockey uh, finding this common ground, this balance, this Buddy, parody I that we've been searching for for a while? Scared. Or was this just a nightmare scenario for Canada? Canada outshot them and outplayed Sweden. Like, that's just simply the way it's going to be, but it got dodgy down the stretch. So Canada was up 2-1 for, I don't know, about the last couple minutes in terms of holding onto this lead. It looked pretty secure. Sweden was pushing. My girl, Laura Stacy iced the puck looking for an mm, empty net. You didn't have to call her out on that. Hey, that's what teammates and besties do. Ice the okay. puck looking for the empty net and... Anyway, Sweden Sweden ties it up with eight seconds left in the game to go 2-2. And that would have been, so Canada ends up winning in overtime thanks to Sarah Nurse. That would have been the, I was trying to figure this out, maybe the biggest upset in women's hockey history. Uh, Yeah, I don't doubt it, at least in terms of top of mind stuff. On home ice, defending, defending champs against Sweden who was relegated and comes back up. Like, they've been up and down. They've had a pretty big fall from grace because it used to be Canada, Sweden, Finland, and the United States. And those, not in that like order, big sorry. Di- big divide, but, like, yes. they were the most they competitive. They were the four teams, yeah. yeah they were ahead of, like, the the Russians or, sure. or whomever, whomever. And so Canada ends up winning in OT, but it was it was really shaky. I don't know. The, actually, yesterday was a weird day because USA only won 3 nothing. The uh, Czech Republic upset... Um, the Finns, mm. which was a pretty, I mean, they it wasn't this level of upset, but that that was a bigger, big enough upset. So it was a bit, a bit scary coming down yeah, the stretch here. It seems like the separation is not what it used to be, and I don't know if that's just like a one-off thing, if that's just... Unfortunately, I think it's a one-off thing. If that's just Brampton. I, I don't know what it is, but it seems like Canada and the United States can't separate themselves like they have 
Uh, that... I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that as much. Well, they had, they're not blowing teams out. That's that's certainly it. Like, that's just all. Canada, that's all I mean. The last time Canada played Sweden at the Olympics, it was eleven nothing. Exactly. That's it's not. We're not getting these crazy scores. But I'm not. I'm not a quick to say that that's just the state of women's hockey got so much better. No, in a year. I, no. I, I th- it's just for whatever reason, it's not blowout central. Like yeah. it always normally is. Yeah, and and they are certainly out shooting and out playing these teams. But it is. It's great to have more competitive. Like I would rather. Uh, would I rather see an eleven nothing victory or a three two overtime victory? Probably eleven nothing because the opportunity to be eliminated from the world championship by Sweden was there on the line in a do or die next goal win scenario. There is a small part of me that sees this as okay, there's some positive growth there. I don't think that Sweden made that big of a jump in this off season since last worlds in August that they're up there, but anything can happen. And that's actually what is interesting about these tournaments, especially when you see teams like Japan, um, the Czech Republic, Sweden, Finland, having opportunities at the world stage, which we don't get to see much in North America. You see some growth, but I think Canada just, I don't know, maybe they think they're coasting in a bit. That's the worry that I have. USA as well with a 3 nothing victory yesterday. Like They should be, the, the spreads on these games have been 6-8, yeah, and it's been and it hasn't, covering all been, these middle, yeah, middle ground been teams covering. have been covering uh, with regularity. And I guess, like, for me, if you're Team Canada, you, you've got the gold medal game circled on your calendar, you versus United States for the last six months. But that's always the, like, and, that's always the situation. And it most likely will be the situation, even though that was No, but in terms of, like, like, mindset going into a quarterfinal game, mm-hmm. you're always understanding that you're getting to... The United States. 100%. But I do think that maybe there's like a level of respect to your opponents that you're missing if you just think that, hey, we beat Sweden 11 nothing and like whatever, it's Sweden. So it's just like nothing's easy. It should be easy, but there's teams that come up like this. I think Canada outshot Sweden 48 to 14 in regulation and went to OT. If one, you run into one hot goaltender, you start getting a little nervous, anxious. You're trying to do too much. You're trying to ice the puck into the empty net. You're trying to do things that are maybe outside of the realm of how you play when you play Team USA. Like if you watch how Canada played Team USA on Monday and you look at how they played Sweden last night or yesterday afternoon, you're playing differently because you, you're playing differently against your opponent and maybe there's just a level of respect Respect sounds like they're coming into this thinking that they're going to walk all over them, but they kind of are. Would have been tough for old Troy Ryan to have Anne Marie Debian on the bench in a loss. You see, that's the, that's the other thing too. Like, like is, he get, is, he get, is he getting the walking papers if you lose with someone no, other than Debian? You're not. But that's the other thing about this is this is still a development tournament for some players. Mashmeyer has been the World backup. Championship development tournament. What, what else are they developing? There's, they're not playing in a pro league. Yeah, I suppose. They, I mean, there's the the you know the the rivalry series that they have, and that that's you're not, against the United States. Yeah, but you and you're pretty much playing the same game plan every night. That's true. I guess there's not much variety. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm not giving him. Benefit. I'm just saying, like, if you want to get up, you're going to have to put Emirates Bashmire in a game. Is what I'm saying. Like, it's you know, yeah, she's got to play something. He's had an opportunity to though. Yeah, and mm-hmm. again, like, she gave up two one. goals. Whatever, but like a knockout phase, you usually run with your best goaltender though. I'm not surprised that she got an opportunity to play, but it would it would look it would look bad. Anyway, Canada ends up winning. Sarah Nurse, the hero in OT, not Poulin, so washed. <laughs> oh, I, I I didn't say it. You went there. I don't even. I wouldn't even joke about that. It's a joke. I guess because you're friends, you can make that yeah. joke. 
Anyway, Canada wins. Um, thank God. They're headed towards the semis tomorrow, and then the gold medal game would be Sunday. So Your weekend would have been wide open oh. all of a sudden if that went the other way. I'd just be... I might go on a little vacay, <laughs> a little road trip to Prince Edward County or something. That well, I'll be hopefully at both games. So that was uh, the women's hockey update. We've got playoff matchups for the Eastern Conference, and there's some great ones: Boston, Florida, mm-hmm. Toronto, Tampa. Which shocker, we so, knew so that yeah, one. So Florida enters the leaf t- the leaf bracket. Mm-hmm. Carolina and the Islanders and New Jersey and the Rangers. Now, I cannot wait for that one. That's that's my favorite for sure. And we also have matchups in the Western Conference, at least in the Pacific Division, mm-hmm. where it will be Edmonton and L.A., of course, because uh, unbelievable run for the Oilers. I think they've given up one point out of their last 30 on the table. Like they're get, they they're still, red hot. They still didn't get the division. That says a lot about what the Vegas uh, Golden Knights have been able to do. But Vegas will get um, Winnipeg in the first round. So Winnipeg enters the Pacific Division side of things. And the Central Division still has to be decided with Colorado playing tonight. Win and they, and I think actually if they lose in in uh, overtime or a shootout, they will also claim the division and leapfrog Dallas. So two more series to be officially mm-hmm. put in stone. But if you're looking at the Pacific, we're only two games Pacific, today. And That's Eastern it. Conference in, is uh, set in stone. Sabres, Blue Jackets, Avs, Preds tonight. That wraps up the regular season for the NHL. So we march forward to the playoffs and confirmed that the Maple Leafs will start their game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday of next week. So mm-hmm. we'll have Monday and Tuesday to tee that up. And we're going to do our tarot card readings, which were a hit um, when we, I believe we did it the last time, was the trade deadline for the Raptors. Yes, we've only tried the, uh, the, the spirits have only been used. Twice. Twice? Once. I think we've only done it once. Wow, we only pulled it out once. Nonetheless, I want to go back and listen to that because now we have the full outcome of the season. And I think I remember being kind of spooky and like dark. And then look how the season ended. I think yeah. I remember pulling the tarot card and it said, you will shoot 50% at the free throw line. And it said, DR you know DeRozan. That, that was what was in DR the DR DeRozan. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do that Monday. We'll have full, you know, we'll have serious previews as well. Yes, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be very, very serious on Monday and Tuesday. But also, I believe in the A-list is when we have that earmark for. Yes. We'll do the Monday. tarot cards. Three pressing questions to ask the higher powers that be. Um, okay, one other thing that I watched last night or in the wee evening hours was <laughs> for the Wake and Rake as well as the Jonathan Taves final game as a Chicago Blackhawk. I had eyes on that, which was devastating to watch the Blackhawks and the Flyers. It was like watching paint dry. Really? It was kind of wide open, the the, the very few things that I saw. Yeah. But I mean, <sighs> my men's league game on Wednesday was wide open as well. Yeah. So it's <laughs> wide open. I as... just mean in terms of two teams that I really didn't... Eh. Move the needle from me. Even mm-hmm. though Leafs Rangers, I'll say, was also a pretty boring game. Like they weren't. It was definitely the worst thing I watched last night. Was Leafs yeah. and Rangers. Anyway, listen to this. Could have been. This could have been the story of that we'd be talking about for a long time. So Blackhawks are down. You're hearing this is the final moments of Jonathan Taves' career. They're trying to wait for a commercial break because they have this video tribute they want to play which obviously they'd have to do it at a commercial break because it's a lengthy enough video tribute mm-hmm. but they are not getting a whistle down the final you know six five four three two one minutes really yeah and you have to obviously 
you can't do it on an icing and you can't do it on... There's a couple of times you can't do a media TV timeout, right? Right. Uh, if, if you're being penalized for whatever yes. reason, like if you knock the net off, it's like... You can't have... Okay, now yeah, Because TV you're trying break. to punish yes. the team for having, you know, you have them on when they shouldn't be on. Yeah, that's So the when broadcast is like, oh, stay tuned because we, we're trying to get this in and we're, we're going we're gonna to show the Blackhawks feature. And it's like, they never got an opportunity They to, never got it in? But... They tied the game quite late to sh- to send it to overtime. Mm-hmm. So at that point, Jonathan Taves scored one goal in his final game, and I was like, "Here we go! All right!" Like I did say, bet a hat trick, but I also bet two goals. So I was starting to feel good about that because that'd be nice. They finally they get the opportunity to push to OT. Okay, so they get to have their video board tribute now after the game. So they've figured that out. Jonathan Taves has a half ice breakaway in overtime. Full half ice from the center of the ice breakaway. Mm. I'm like, this is it. He's going to go down. He's going to score the OT winner in his final game as a Blackhawk at home to beat the Flyers. And he does his little signature move, and it pops over the goalie's pad, and it rolls through the crease and outside the post. And then they go back, (laughs) and they score. Proverov scores on actually Mm. a really nice goal. And then the camera pans to Jonathan Taves, who's just like, come on. Like, look, what, what the hell? Wow. I just thought, what a nice storybook ending that could have been for this kid. Guy, man, old see, man now. See, this is, this is the beauty of gambling, right? Like, I don't know how, how locked in you would be on Chicago, no, Philly but to not end even, the season. Not even just for financial gain. No, I just that, thought, like, this guy's last dying. mostly financial gain. Are you kidding? It's you the really captain. locked in that much on Jonathan? Well, I'm just thinking storylines. Sentiment. No, well, I don't really care too much. I mean, there's a lot of other things that went on in this guy's career that we don't need to get into. But just think, your captain, your legend, your best captain in and franchise history is playing in his last game, which you've already publicized, and everybody knows, and everybody's there for the Jonathan Taves story. Mm-hmm. He's got a breakaway in OT. You're telling me that that couldn't have been like better oh, it scripted? Been, it would have been nice. Yes, yeah. it would have been very, very nice. Anyway, watch what, that. What did you think of uh, the decision to be like this is Jonathan Taves' final game? I actually respected it. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. But See, that, I, that's it was why really, it also gave it me more really eyes nice. to watch that game last yeah. night because the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday, when we got off the air, and I had teed this up in the wake and break, which is why I had like had my eyes on this game because we had heard that it might be his last game as a Blackhawk. It was his last game as a Blackhawk as as they came out and said it around 10 a.m. Hey, we've decided. We had this conversation between both sides. This is it. Like, we're going to move on from that. I think it just gave the fan base an opportunity to say. We're going to enjoy this and not have speculation. Was that the last time? It's this is his night. It was a come say goodbye, and I don't know why we haven't seen that more often. Because we get these decisions at the end of every single professional sports mm-hmm. season. Some team is giving up on some on some player who means something to that organization, or at least means something to the fan base, and we never really get anything the like same that. Same thing happened last night. This was the other game I was watching: Sabers and um, uh, Oilers. No, Sabers and. Senators, Senators, Craig Anderson was put in that, and it was his last ever game. But did no, he start the game? Yeah, he got he, okay. and he wins the game. I was just saying the way you said it, put in that. I was like, Sorry, did they just like they do a Jed Alexander no. the last two minutes? And they win in OT, and then after the game, and you can tell by the way they're celebrating that this has got to be his final game. 
both teams celebrate with him because former mm-hmm. goalie. It was actually really it was perfect. It was actually like kind of beautiful. I don't use the word beautiful in sports, but tear up a little bit. It was really sentimental to see this guy. Everybody on the ice wanted to celebrate with him, and then afterwards he says, "Yes, that's that's it for me." So mm-hmm. you know, even that you had speculation. You see him play. It's a really great storybook moment. You almost had two of them last night to see him get this OT winner. The whole team they don't even celebrate with the goal scorer. They went down and celebrated with him, and it was it was really really lovely to see. And both teams obviously cared a lot about him. And then you find out that it's last game. So I don't know. Maybe that's something we see moving forward. That teams announce this is it for me. I'm going to go out on this game, and this is, this is yeah, my I mean, opportunity. I, they definitely could have done that with Craig Anderson, and maybe it would have been like I think everyone knew, and the teams were perfect, and it was the perfect storybook ending perfect to story his career. Ending. I mean, there's like layers of storybook and layers mm-hmm. of importance. And Craig Anderson, the fact that he got to play the Senators in his final game yeah. and win, that's awesome. Like, that is perfect, perfect, perfect. And I guess if Tay's buried on that breakaway, it would have been perfect, perfect, perfect as well. But, like, yeah, that was that was very cool. I like that. I like that they gave the opportunity to just be like, we are fully transparent here. Yeah. He would probably like to, re- I didn't say that, but he would probably like to, re- mm-hmm. to return if you're reading between the lines, but we need to move on and we want you to say goodbye properly. I thought that was a great move by the Blackhawks. And both teams were in the oper- the privilege of knowing that that was their last game where it's different. Like, let's say a couple weeks ago, Wayne Simmons speculated to have played his last ever home game as a Maple Leafs, mm. but the Maple Leafs have hopefully a lengthy run ahead. Maybe. He's going to play in the playoffs. Yeah, but everyone was saying it. It was weird, right? Like, all over to that might be Wayne Simmons' last time as a Maple Leaf on home ice. I was like, well, he could still play. Yeah. I thought that was weird. We were, like, writing off his career as a... And that's why Sheldon Keefe didn't want to answer that question. Yeah, but I also I thought... I didn't see the video of that, but I heard that he was a little snippy. Well, he should have been, because this guy still got... You never know. You might make it to the Stanley Cup final, and you're telling me Wayne Simmons isn't going to get one playoff game? I just thought yeah. that was weird that too sometimes or, too we, early as media, discussion. try to write this guy's career wrap-up story too quick, right? Well, you want to write the story. Yeah, but, like, let Wayne Simmons announce that he's going to play his final game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, last night we saw the end for some careers or some, yeah, I guess, I don't know if it stays his career, but his and the Le- legacy. Le- the Leafs could have been like, yeah, this is going to be Wayne's final home game, and we expect him to be a big part of the playoffs, but uh, this will be the last time. Like, that, that would have been okay. But it would have been weird, because, like, what's he supposed to do for the next month or two like just know that he's not playing no, but no but this might. is gonna be his last regular season okay, game. Regular he's season retiring game. at the yeah, end of the yeah, season yeah. so and he's gonna play in this game and we want like that could be something but again i don't, I don't know if you I, I guess you only get that scenario when you're in a position where yeah, you're, you're not going to playoffs yeah. and this is the only so thing that different. matters from the game but anyway it's different we got to see some uh we'll see some people come out i'm sure in the next little while and say that that's it for them so get their flowers get their moment what else why don't you leave? Because we'll move on from them. Yeah, let's go to Leafs. Okay. Uh, yeah, not a not a ugh. not one that you want to rewatch. How about that? Uh, the fakest of fake games. <laughs> no, okay. I, I will say there was a few things that I cared about in that hockey game, and th- I could yeah, I could two, probably pinpoint one, two. One two out of three hit. Yeah. William Nylander scored his fortieth goal, which was and awesome. He cared, Congratulations to William Nylander. Yes, great to see. Huge for him. That's a that's a big it's a big nice round number. I believe that's the first time in his career. And Willie has been a great supporting cast member. We gave him when we had our Oscars show, uh, best supporting actor of the team. 
the last month, he has not been the best supporting actor of the team, maybe getting into a little hibernation mode, wait, waiting to gear up for the playoffs. Great to see him with a lot of pep last night trying to get that goal. Yeah, 40 was a lock about a month ago, and it got a little greasy if, if you were looking for 40 goals, but he was absolutely all over it last it night. Sure like, against greasy. a sleepy team with carrots of 40 goals dangling in front of his face, pretty electric player. And he was electric for most of the season, but the last month, yeah, hasn't been great, but William Nylander was was. Pretty, pretty entertaining last night. But watching Mitch Marner's 100 point gr- like float away and mm-hmm. just be like he had the not the worst, like kind of the worst luck. But the the clock was ticking down and everybody knew that Mitch Marner was at 99 points. Everybody on both teams clearly knew that Mitch oh, yeah. Marner was at 99 points. There's three minutes left of the game where basically there's an empty net for the Rangers. And Marner, I think, tries... At, Four times. There's four attempts. Four yeah. attempts to get the puck into the empty net and is and it is blocked four times in the neutral zone. I think three times by Adam Fox, one by Keandre Miller. Keandre got one at least. And yeah. he just like has to throw his arms up. He as a Mitch Marner on the bench watching it all dwindle away. And I I actually felt bad watching this. I felt bad for Mitch Marner. And yeah, the guy's got 99 points, but 100 points is a very significant milestone. You want to look back and say, Marner's a 100-point season. 100-point season. Yeah, 99's still kind of 100, but it's not. It's and not. It meant a lot to him. Uh, he will probably get another opportunity, hopefully, to get 100 points. But everybody on that ice wanted him to on the blue on the Maple Leafs, and everyone on the Rangers was like, we're not letting this guy get his 100th point mm-hmm. as the clock runs down. So it, was tough. it was tough. I felt for him. Especially in an empty net scenario where the game means nothing. It is a completely and wholly useless point, but it is a big framing night. It is a framing Mm -hmm. night for when you look back on a player, when you discuss where he ranks in the league's top tier. Like you you have this discussion, like uh, someone's, you know, you're in a bar. Mitch Marner's one of the, Mitch Marner's the best winger in the NHL. And someone will come back. He's never even hit 100 points. Yeah, that's going to be a conversation for sure. And, and this will all be like... uncle, greasy uncle at Shoeless Joe's is going to bring that <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly. But it'll all get like... The, the number and the context will get eroded over time. The number... Sorry, the number will not get eroded over time. The context will get eroded over time because he's got sat, load managed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may have had an assist taken away from him when uh, Austin Matthews scored that goal the other night, which he's very, it's funny very aware People of. are going back and like rewatching videos like... Actually, he touched the uh, the blade of his yeah. stick. It's like, We're going to retroactively <laughs> give him an assist on that play that happened seven nights ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, that is going to be a thing. He's never hit 100 points. How can you tell him, call him the best winger in the NHL? But That's with right. Nylander, it's, oh, it's next contract. Well, it begins with like nine. Points. He scored 40 goals. 40 points, it's a 40, 40 goal scorer. How could you not give him $9.5 million? Just, it's on the knife edge, right? This Just the one goal here, one assist there, one block shot here, one non-assist there. It helps you frame your discussion. And when you are debating sports, you are pulling any self-serving stat you can possibly find. So Mitch Marner, a better winger than Miko Randon, who scored 55 <laughs> goals this year and carried Colorado through a Stanley Cup hangover season. Like that's, you'll always have that now. And if Mitch Marner had just hit an empty net or dumped it into open ice for Michael Bunting to jump it on it and deposit it into the empty net. You wouldn't be able to say that. So it was a big framing night, and ultimately it doesn't matter if it was 39 goals for William Nylander. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant season. 
like really, really awesome for. But that's why I cared more about it because he deserved 100 points more than anyone else on the ice. Like and he deserved almost, that milestone because he was the MVP of the regular season. And it's almost impossible to believe that he didn't get it. Everyone's getting 100 points. Not everyone, but a lot of people are getting 100 points, right? Like this is the highest scoring mm-hmm. NHL we've seen. And Mitch Marner seemed to get a point. Every single time he played. I think there's only four, there was like four or five games all season long that he didn't get a point. And he didn't get a hut. Like, it's honestly, that's <laughs> least, it's mind-blowing that he didn't get to that plateau. And we've been discussing, you know, how much it would mean to him. And it clearly meant a lot to him. Does it mean, does it have any, like, negative consequences? No. 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 It might even have more positive. He's going to be shot out of the can in game one in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You would hope so. You would hope that he <laughs> thought, that he will think. That the the hundred point the hundred point that's not going to be a hundred points, but the next point coming into playoffs will Stay mean more one. than one into an empty net. I you would hope that's how it's framed. You would hope that's what he would genuinely in his heart of hearts believe. Um, but I think you really wanted it, and I think Big it time. sucks a lot that he did not get it for him and for you know fans that were cheering along along the way. It also sucked that that goal was not. So that's that, it that, too. It, it goes. Count. There's a goal in the final dying seconds of the game, and it's challenged. I'm like, don't challenge, don't challenge the goal because you want to go to OT and hey, let Marner some, have a chance. Get Marner some open ice. And I thought, perfect. They're, they're, let the Rangers tie it up. Give Marner an opportunity to get this point in OT. And he's probably sitting on the bench like, this better be called the goal. Why are we reviewing this? And then, you know, Rangers don't get the goal. Maple Leafs win, and Marner gets 99 points. And 11 that, players have over 100 points this year. And he, you would, he's at a top 10 NHL season. You know who else has 99 points? Who else? Poor Jack Hughes. Did he get stuck on that? 99. They scored a bunch of goals last night, 99. Too. Maybe he got a few to get to 99. Uh, yeah, it's... It, well, you know it's a fake game. The fakest of games when you want the Rangers to tie it up late. You want to potentially squander a point so you can see Mitch Marder potentially get an assist or a goal in overtime uh, because you want him to hit a milestone. Other than that... Oh, Noel Chari also got 100 points. In his career. career. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's great, honestly. At least, at least I'm just someone hit the century mark. It, yeah, somebody hit the century mark last night, and it was Nolachari. 100 career points. That's awesome. Good for him. He's played, he joined a new team. He's a, played a pretty little, good. A little bit is, like, a little bit of this is characteristic to Marner, isn't it? Like, a little mm. bit, like, you feel bad for him It's sometimes. a little brother sometimes. Little brother stuff, like, oh, Matthew's had all this. He's had it all. And you should have had it all, but he didn't get it. The um, the Jack Hughes 99 point, mm. I just double-checked it, was on Luke Hughes' first NHL goal last night, OT winner. So I mean, I I was dialed into the NHL awesome. last night, There's and I missed the Craig Anderson, Luke, and Luke Hughes storyline. So lines. that's a wonderful storyline. The Craig Anderson storyline's great. It's too bad Mitch Marner didn't get 100 points. But other than that, it's all looking forward now. Everything, it's a whole new story, a whole new script. Everyone starts with zero points. Zero goals, zero, 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 zeros across the board because the playoffs is all that matters now. Tuesday, the Maple Leafs will start their series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll take your calls next week to hear how Leafs Nation is feeling moving into the playoffs. We'll save all that for Monday and Tuesday. But other than that, last night, I'm glad nobody got hurt. Yeah, that's and really the only thing. There's one more stat I wanted to bring up. because Matthew and I had a couple of moments too. I don't know. Yeah, you did, but I don't know I'm not if I'm changing, like... I'm not changing yeah, my okay. stance on it because you need to know the manual to play in the playoffs. The manual being like just, hey, what do we do with breakouts? Like, uh, uh, very important stuff. Hey, you could study up this but weekend. I'm, but I'm still... He's a college kid. Yeah, yeah. He's a college kid. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm still like, you're encouraged. You're encouraged by what you see because there's mm-hmm. a lot of talent there and I can't wait to see it actually, you know, Come with the Maple fruition. Leafs next year and be a full-time regular thing. One final thing that I want to talk about from the Leafs Rangers game, which surprised me and they said this on the broadcast and they were kind of jinxing it, which is hilarious. The Leafs scored a goal in every single game this season. They were not shut out all season long. They now have one of the longest ever streaks of consecutive. It's actually pretty amazing. It is. Fifth time in franchise history that they score. I know it's just like, hey, you score a goal every night, but you never were shut out all season long. That, to me, is astonishing. Yeah, it really is. It really, bring it, that re- up. it really is. It's, it's, a, it's cool a great stats set. this morning. I'm uh, all about the stats. <laughs> that you didn't run into a hot goaltender once. Someone you were who able just to put was one puck in the net. Yeah, someone who was unbeatable one night. It says uh, a little lucky, but also says a lot about how consistent the Leafs were offensively. And one more of those could have been Mitch Marner. Or Mitchy. Or Mitch. Okay, uh, quickly. Well, not quickly, but Blue Jays as well. Before we move on to unbreaking or unpacking some Raptors. Or do you want to start with Raptors well, media? I don't think we have much for the Blue Jays, so let's save it. Okay, we can save the Blue Jays. Raptors day of reflection was yesterday as we teed it up. We had your calls yesterday. Thanks for everyone for calling in because that was awesome to be able to chat through our feelings and our ups and downs of Raptors fandom, maybe more downs than anything. So coming off the season-ending loss on Wednesday, they had their quick media turnaround. Um, we heard from some coaches Sorry, we heard from some players and Nick Nurse, um, selection of players that decided, or I don't know how they go through this, but anyway, we heard from some and Messiah Jury and Bobby Webster did not speak. They should be having um, their own press conference with reporters in the next coming days. So that'll be next week sometime and we'll obviously bring you all that. Um, There was a lot of audio from this. There's a lot to glean. Like Fred was up there for over a half hour. Nick Nurse was up there. OG was up there. Pascal was up there. And Yak was up there. Yeah. Scotty was up Scotty there. Scotty was up there. So you could, Chris Boucher you could, well. I mean, the Raptors show will have a full breakdown. They did yesterday and they'll have another one today. We can't go through every single thing that was said, but we did go through and pick some tidbits that were important to us. You want to talk about Fred and so do I. So do you want to start with Fred? Yeah. I mean, I, I to be honest, I didn't take like, a whole lot from yesterday. It was kind of an extension of the like. It's, it's too, the post game press too, conference. Yeah, it was too close to last night. I was surprised that it's so quick, but they probably want to let the players get the hell home. Of course, and the Masai Ujiri thing is the big thing. Like that's when we're going to actually learn something. You would think, yes. even if he doesn't say anything, we learn something. Like that is the most important conversation that needs to be had is Masai Ujiri, and we'll get that and we'll talk about it then. Mm-hmm. But Fred, the maturity that he shows is like it's constant it's omnipresent you're always getting that and i guess maybe there was maybe you could quibble with that a little bit like it seemed like he was kind of waffling a little bit maybe there was like a little bit of a mini protest or he was a little unhappy or whatever there was a bit of that noise this year but the fact that he's got leverage right now i think is a good thing for the toronto raptors because he's not going to do something in the same vein that nick nurse did the other night He's not going to be selfish. He'll be selfish in the sense that, okay, I want to make this amount of money, and that's fair. But he's not going to just, like, take the money from the Raptors and be a bad teammate. He's not petty. He's not petty. Nick Nurse can be very petty. Nick Nurse can be very petty. So if they come to Fred and say, Fred, like, we just can't do this. We're going to try to rebuild. It's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Fred is going to be an adult about whatever happens. And if Mm -hmm. that means you're, like, 
player coach, if that means you're shepherding in a new era, if that means you are going to be earning a lot of money to play with a lot of guys who are not earning a lot of money in the future, that's all okay. Like, I just think you can trust in him to be mature, to make mature decisions. And I think he showed the maturity that you'd want to see from a leader more than Nick Nurse has in the last month or so. And I think Nick Nurse was on his best behaviors yesterday. And maybe Fred was on his best behavior and his most candid, his most congenial. Maybe that's all true. But I just think you should feel good about there's a lot of unknowns. And Fred is one of those unknowns. I don't think you should stress the Fred unknown. That was the biggest thing that I got from yesterday. Okay. Um, I'm in alignment with how Nick Nurse dealt with yesterday's press conference. I felt like it was a lot of deflecting. I mean, that's not surprising. Even when he's asked about his future and those comments that we talked about last week when he, before the Sixers game, he kind of doubled or kind of went back on what he said and tried to make it a different narrative. That's less important to me than what Fred said. I'll start with what Fred said because I, I really thought that he he maybe had the most like candid call out of the systems and the organizational makeup of this team that I had heard from a Raptors player maybe ever and as you mentioned, he is respectful. He is a guy that isn't petty. He took this opportunity to say something that I think will resonate a lot with Raptors fans when they hear this clip. He's also honest to a point. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he's not going to drag anyone yeah. under he's the like, bus. This is how I feel. But this is a real thing. This was a real problem. And I'm not casting blame. I'm not, you know, you know, uh, this isn't to attack someone else. It's to point out something that is true that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go about it whether I'm here or not. Like that, Exactly. That's exactly what the Fred experience was yesterday. So this was the clip to me that meant the most out of yesterday's press conference. It's Fred talking about the identity of the past and how that might need to change for the future. I think we just got to find another identity, you know what I mean? Whatever that is. And I think that um, the chaos and the freedom, you know, it worked when it worked. And I think that going forward, uh, just pick pick what we're going to do. Like, it's not really that complicated, you know what I mean? We lock into how, how things are going to flow offensively. You know, obviously we got a ton of talent for the breakdown situations. Defensively, I, I do like the system that we have in place. It needs to be executed at a higher clip. We need more reps and we need sharper. But I think for us, the devil's going to be in the details. And I think that, you know, we have to rep that and build that. Like, we can't try to do it by osmosis and like try to carry over a championship from four years ago and expect to add that to a group that we have now like we got to build that every single day starting as soon as we get back in the gym this summer like you got to start building every single detail so he a lot of that like you could break that into maybe four different comments um the chaos and the structure Mm -hmm. interesting because that's how we watched raptors basketball this year positionless the 6-9 vision they they went for something and it didn't work and your yeah. leader of your team is saying we need a different I, they have an identity crisis and that's what fred brings up quite candidly at the podium he talks about how you can't just have osmosis from a championship team four years ago like your team has changed whether the people are the same or not it's not working the same tactics don't apply to this team and he calls that out and that's not just the structure of Nick Nurse. That's also the players needing to perform, but that's also the the roster construction. Yeah, you can hear that he quote. He wraps that all up in, a, in exactly. a, the organization. You can failure. hear that quote, and he didn't call out anyone specifically, but he 
mention like at every layer that it's not right. What what we did, and I think one quote he said, we tried a lot of things. They did try a lot of things. They had the most starting they, lineups of any NBA team. And it didn't work. So something in the system or everything in the system is flawed. And he just alluded to that with honesty without saying Masai built a bad team mm-hmm. or Nick's a bad coach or the guys that we have on this roster aren't good enough. He said all that without saying it, mm-hmm. which is what you want to hear in that situation where it's like, okay, a guy who knows this team probably better than anyone. I think, I think he knows it better than nurse because he feels it. Unlike Nick nurse, he feels Raptors basketball as he's a huge part of it is saying what needs to be said out loud. And I think you should be taking everything Fred says, if you're a Messiah, Nick, whatever at face value, because it is real. It is the realest thing that we heard yesterday. And when he brings up the points about it not working and how it was kind of chaotic at times, I thought, yeah, if you're not buying into the identity of your team, we saw that all season long. There was stretches where we thought, does this team buying into what Nick Nurse has to say? Is this team, has Nick Nurse lost the the dressing room? There was times of frustration. There was times that us as media even thought that players wanted out. Clearly, that makes sense now when your leader of your team is saying that you need a new identity. So how do you find a new identity? You make big changes. And I think that that kind of leads perfectly into this offseason because mm-hmm. you can't make a new identity by continuing to have the following things. The same coach, the same roster construction. You add one player at the trade deadline and think that everything's changed you have multiple guys that need contracts this offseason. If you just roll with the same thing, how does your identity change? And and some and it's important to ask that question because in some ways what Fred believes needs to happen runs counter to what is at least planned. Mm. Like I don't know what Masai Ujiri is going to do. I don't know if Nick's going to be back. But in terms of like a roster construction standpoint, you added, you sacrificed the end result of next season mm-hmm. by giving away that draft pick to get Jakob Pertl, you have laid out an expectation to perform at a reasonably high level next year. That means free agents coming back. That means spending. That means doubling down on something that didn't work. Now, you could completely abort that mission at any time. 100%. But Fred has outlined that something needs to change. So now doubling down on it, you, if there's no change... You have your leader and the someone who knows this team again more than anyone telling you it's not going to work. And he's definitely a voice of the team. This isn't just Fred Van Vliet thinking that this identity didn't work. I feel like that's a lot of players collectively feeling that way. I know it's speculation, but Fred is a leader. He sees the podium as an opportunity to talk about this team in this season. I think it probably resonates with a lot of players that, New identity would be a great start to this offseason. That's not a simple thing to change. Even if you get rid of Nick Nurse, you still have a lot of the same players. You still have a lot of the same habits. organization. Different habits need to happen. You're right. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was really well said by Fred. I also thought that we have some comments about Nick Nurse um, doubling down on that the media created the false narrative that he wanted out yes talk about disconnect i mean i don't think the media nick nurse will ever be on the same page in terms of like who brought this up i I do think it's pretty simple what happened it was right it was written and reported on that he you know was you know connected to houston maybe looking to move on raptors maybe looking to move on whatever it was and i think what happened is he read about that 
and was a little unhappy about it, mm-hmm. right? I, I think I think he just got a little he emotional. Was petty. He was petty. He got emotional. He was not like Fred. He was not being the adult in the room in that moment, and he tried to like scale that back. <laughs> but he's he was in PR mode. He's in damage control mode, and you know, and because the mistakes have already been made, there's only so much grace that we can give you. There's only so much equity that's still left mm-hmm. on the table for you to gobble up. Um, I think he handled it as best as he could. I still think he's adversarial with that specifically. Like he could have just been like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to coach a team unhappy that things are being talked about that are untrue. You could even say untrue, even if it is true. And I wanted to focus on the here and now. Did I, did I get to that point a little haphazardly? Yeah. And I can admit that, but but we know Nick, that's Nick. He's not going to say that he was wrong. He always believes, I believe, that he is right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a Nick Nurse problem. He's a bit stubborn. And that stubborn shows when he's dealing with his own issues. And that stubbornness has shown when he's dealing with the Toronto Raptors team that clearly need to change something and never could. Yeah, I don't feel like it changed much of my perspective of where everybody else feels about Nick Nurse. I do think that he tried to pour cold water on that he's leaving. And I don't know if that really, if I bought it or not, but. Do you think he's staying? There was a part of me that thought, well, he, he kind of looked like he was trying to save face and maybe he got a talking to about what happened two weeks ago at the podium before the Sixers game, because he definitely tried to hush hush that yesterday at the media conference. But nonetheless, I felt this way and I still feel this way that there has been some level of uncomfortability with the players and, and uh, there's tension. This season has been full of tension. Well, maybe, maybe he's picked up too that what he tried to do, what he said didn't work, did not work yeah, and exactly. backfired in a way that he probably didn't imagine. And yeah. like, think about, think about John Gibbons in this city. Like it didn't end particularly well. Like he was mm-hmm. unceremoniously shown the door in some ways. But he walks on water. He can sell books in this city. He can have successful podcasts in this city. He can do he endless radio, radio appearances. Mm-hmm. And people want to hear from Gibby. Gibby still Gibby. Gibby. <laughs> Gibby still has standing in this city. <laughs> I think I was going Gibby and City. I like Gibby Gibbity. still has standing here. Mm-hmm. He can still be a rock star here. Nick Nurse will always be somewhat of a rock star here. But if you yeah, step on every, if you step on yeah, if you step on every rake on the way out, mm. you lose some of the equity that you've built up in the city that will always treat. I don't care what happens in Houston. You're not going to be the person you were in Houston like you were in Toronto. I don't think like this. It's a high, high bar to clear for Nick Nurse to ever be the celebrity, have the same standing, be a household name like he is in this city. Anywhere he goes next. And I think he probably realized that some of the Nick Nurse stock tanked after he made those comments. I'm like kind of done talking about Nick Nurse until something actually changes because I've like kind of run the course of level of exhaustion of Nick Nurse comments. But there were some other things. You want to talk about Scotty Barnes and like the conditioning development yeah, aspect of this. I think the most interesting like basketball conversation was that because we asked the question all year long. What, like what's wrong with Scotty Barnes? Why is Scotty Barnes not taking a step forward? 
why is Scotty Barnes seemingly having his development stunted? I, I think a, I, I think our theory was he's being asked to do too much. Mm-hmm. Like for a young guy who's still learning how to be an NBA player and you want him to do, you want him to have five jobs. You want him to be a point guard, but also a big and also a guy who's going to be uh, a great defender. And, and also he, live up to being rookie of the year yeah, you, last year. You want him to be a superstar player, 10-year, 12-year vet wrapped up in in one package in a second-year player. And that was a lot to ask. And I think that probably had an effect on his season. But the role is has was always part of the issue. And maybe the role, we there was one part of it that, that we didn't pick up on because the thing that dominated the conversation was this aspect of his conditioning and what he's asked to do on a basketball court being a lot for mm-hmm. someone who might be, you know, not the most conditioned athlete on planet Earth. Not someone who works tirelessly to be uh, like a tip-top peaking athlete at all times. And that's not a slight. Like clearly he can, he has basketball endurance, but I guess in order to be someone who's going to do what he d- does, which is play defense at a really high level and to be constantly running up and down the court, it maybe needs another step. And it seems like he acknowledged that. It's like he was being asked perhaps to run a marathon without marathon training. And maybe this summer is full-on marathon training so he can be the player that at least the Raptors organization thinks he can be from a work rate standpoint. I did think that was interesting because we got like the first real acknowledgement of why things may have not gone the way he and the Raptors expected it to go. I think that also ties into the way that this team's identity and their makeup was wrong, right? Like you play... You're running your starters to the ground. You're not developing your bench. Constantly asking too much of individuals. It's all tied together. Mm-hmm. All of the comments um, on the podium. There was also OG saying that he certainly loves Toronto and would be open to staying here. Um, of course. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of professing love to the city. And I do believe Nurse that, I do believe that love is genuine. I do believe the love is genuine. Siakam, yeah. same thing. Freddy, Seven years, it's a part Freddy of him. Too, yeah. But... These guys are are more basketball players than they are Torontonians. And I think if it comes down to it, meaningful basketball will loom larger than affinity to a city. And one last thing here before we take a break. Um, Fred also saying he's not going to rush making this decision about his his opt-out opportunity, whatever's going to happen this postseason, saying that, you know, he's spent his whole NBA heart is here or his, like, entire love for basketball I don't know how he worded it specifically, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he cares a lot about the city and he's going to take his time because he's a pro and he's going to do what's best for him, but not in a way. I don't think that's going to step on a rake as he mentioned it. And he, but he also said like, he, he puts his priorities in place. Like, right. He said the only opinions that matter are the ones that are in my household. So that, mm. that family will make yeah. its decision and we'll see how we move on from there. My whole NBA life is here. Mm-hmm. And it has been. All right. um, We got lots to tee up today. We'll hear more down the road about the Toronto Raptors from the organizational uh, leaders, Masai and Bobby. Not sure when that's going to be, but we got Kipper joining us at 7. Rich Hollenberg from the Tampa Bay Rays studio, Bally Sports Sun, is going to join us at 7.30 because... Yeah, the Rays are 13 and 0 coming in tonight to start their home uh, their home stand here against the Toronto Blue Jays. We got to figure out 
How are you going to beat this team? How do you stop stand in front of a moving train? Um, Alex Wong is going to join us at 8 o'clock as well. And then we're going to do a wake and rake preview of the NBA with uh, Jonathan Von Topol, who's a betting expert, um, who's going to join us at 8.30 in the wake and rake to help us go through some futures and some series looks at the NBA. We'll do that again for the NHL on uh, Monday or Tuesday just to get a full look ahead. But we got all that to look at um, in today's show. We'll take a break. We'll do the A-list on the other side. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. Stop, baby. All right, a baby A list for you this morning. By the way, RBC Heritage Open has begun in. My guy, who you stole from my cold it's not your guy. Hands, what do you mean, my guying? I have picked Victor Hovland almost every tournament so far. You ripped him from my grasp, and he is now leading. It's early, but he's seven under. Second consecutive first-round leader cashes, I think, for Victor Hovland. He would have had yep. to dead heated at the Masters. But yeah, I it was believe... split three ways, but I still got a little cash. Yeah, a little cash there. You're from um, your guy. Yeah, I'm a big Victor Hovland guy. Anyway, my eyes are open on my guys uh, maybe making a little bit of a push today on Friday. But nonetheless, um, someone that's not there, Rory McIlroy, decided to withdraw from this week's tournament. And it's going to cost him $3 million Hmm. because of a previous agreement that they have to play. Um, Rory wanted this new world, eh? player impact program. Body. Three million dollars to skip. What do you think? The uh, did he give a reason? Was he just ex- just disappointed? I Masters? believe it was that he needs a little break. But that's imagine rough. imagine being like imagine being at the spot in your life where it's like, man, I need the weekend off. It's going to cost me three million dollars, but I'm going to do it. On the other side of it, Rom, the Masters champion, is playing, and he was asked if he was going to skip, and he goes, "It did cross my mind." But I made a commitment earlier in the year, and I want to honor that commitment. Such a, you know, so laborious, right? Having to play four I mean, rounds kinda, of golf. Okay. Take the private bird over to a new city in the United States and play four rounds of golf after, you know, partying with a green jacket on earlier in the week. People it's a are, tough life for people these PGA like, Tour professionals. Glory to live confirmed. <laughs> because Imagine that heel turn. <gasps> Do you think there'd be a more shocking storyline this year than if Rory decided to go to live? Like, what could shock that t- for you? Uh, I don't know if anything would be bigger. I actually don't think anything would be bigger. I mean, there uh, uh, shocking things can happen, but well, like off the top of my head, I don't know. That would be uh, 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 that would be the biggest heel turn you could possibly imagine. Even him and Greg Norman just hanging. Even WWE just can boys. write scripts like that. Oh, I, that would be the envy of uh, those script writers for sure. All right. Well, um, we'll take a look at how this golf tournament shakes out. I need my guys to pick it up a bit. Um, also, I did book a club fitting. Oh. Let me tell you. Very the lead there. I'm When's late that? in the, uh, the game, though, because the next available club fitting is not even in this month of April. Mm. I looked at a couple spots. Everyone else is getting their clubs fitted. Shocking that it's the spring and it, I dropped the ball. You get in the front nine or back nine of May? The front nine of May. Okay, because you want to be ready to go June 1. 
Oh, I, you wanted to be I wanted ready to, to go be, before I was that? already looking at tea times this weekend. But if like this is going to, if it's going to be like middle of summer, it's going to be very no, disruptive. No, no. I mean, I have a set like I can play with now, but I'm going to be like anxiously anticipating. Like, this club sucks. No wonder I can't do anything. I'm getting new clubs in a month. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. You're going to be just piping the ball. Well, we're going to go weekly and you're going to be, you're going to have to pick it up, Justin. I have a lot of work to do. All right, let's take a break because we got Kipper on the other side. He wrote a column in the Toronto Star about Austin Matthews and how this playoff run might impact his future as a Maple Leaf. Little nugget on Kyle Dubas there, too. We'll talk about both. Kipper the Insider. That's next.